0: I'm going to be introducing our special guest today, um, Andrew Jitt. Andrew is the founder of MIT Global, a nonprofit uh, with a focus on mobilizing and multiplying disciples. He's also the founder and director of Emerge Global, a local uh, church sending agency serving missionaries among among, uh, unreached people groups. Uh, He is going to be the president of ICOM in 2024. Uh, which will be hosted in over 25 venues for the first time. So it'd be very interesting to hear and see that unfold uh, over the next few years. Um, He also serves as the Global Missions Pastor at Owensburg uh, Christian Church in Owensboro, Kentucky. And he serves as a missions consulting coach to churches uh, all over the world. And uh, he's also co-authored several books uh, he's also a contrib- contributing author for Renew.org. Um, we're going to be blessed uh, because he's from New Zealand. So we'll, uh, let's see, last week or a couple weeks ago was an Australian. Uh, we've got Dr. Wes on here. So we're going to get a, another little dialect here, the English language. uh, uh Andrew was born and raised in New Zealand. He's married to his beautiful bride, Jamie, and they have two daughters, Hannah and Ella. So, Andrew, thank you for joining us today, and we'll look forward to your, uh, your um, words of wisdom to us. And I think, Adam, you're going to conduct an interview, correct? That's correct.
1: And I feel like we're kind of setting a pattern here. The new requirement is you have to be from Australia or New Zealand to be a guest speaker. So we're gonna to have to have to mix up a little bit, but Andrew, thanks for joining us, man. Would you like, would you say hello? And uh, yeah, is there anything Doug missed that you'd like to share about yourself as we kick off here?
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much for the privilege and opportunity. No, I mean, Doug, thank you for the invitation to be here. I'm excited. I apologize. you had to listen to an Australian a couple of weeks ago. We have a much sweeter sound. Um, So, hopefully, I'll either lull you to sleep or uh, you'll be praying in repentance for what I just said.
1: Well, that's awesome. Well, I I get the privilege of interviewing because I wasn't here uh, when you were in the Denver office, I think it was in December, is that correct? Correct, yep. So, what brought you out here?
2: Well, part of what we've done as a church is we're starting to launch, in conjunction with Lifeline Christian Mission, a new initiative into the United Kingdom. So at our church, uh, we're really big in developing mission pipelines. So through MIT Global, which stands for Missionaries and Training, our pipeline is 40 under the age of 40 exploring full-time mission work. And so part of that is a new initiative into the UK to reach unengaged, unchurched, and the youth population. So having great meetings with Lifeline in the Denver office, as well as meeting out with Doug and the Solomon Foundation with Ben Sims. That's awesome. How long has MIT been around for? About 10 years. And so it really started because as a young person, I was given some unique opportunities to explore missions. Uh, in New Zealand, we do a thing called the 40 hour famine, where we don't eat for 40 hours. We raise money for uh, overseas countries. And so through that opportunity, three New Zealanders are selected uh, to represent. World Vision New Zealand. And so through that I got to go to Cambodia, age 18. And so my passion is mobilizing the next generation to live on mission to realize how they are called to be kingdom workers.
1: That's awesome. I think I remember the 40 hour famine from from Youth Group. That was like a popular, you know, don't eat for 40 hours and then everyone's got the candy bars in the back that you would just, you know, on the when the alarm went off, you you go after it. So I remember that, but um, well, obviously you have a, of a huge history, a lot of experience, and um, congrats on um, just the announcement of you becoming the ICOM president here up in 2024. And I'm just curious, kind of how, do, how did that all unfold? Was MIT a part of that situation? Or what did that look like when, um, as as you got asked to be the president for 2024 of ICOM?
2: Yeah, so I actually spoke at ICOM in 2016 and then built a relationship with Dave Ebsen and the ICOM board. and so. They really wanted to go, how can we focus on young people? And Dave's known that I've brought hundreds of young people to ICOM in previous years. And so just of saying, how do we focus on this next generation? And so when he gave me the opportunity, I said, well, let's just not make it easy on ourselves. Instead of doing it in one city, which will be Lexington, Kentucky. So mark your calendars for Lexington, Kentucky 2024. We're actually going to be doing it in 25 countries around the world at the same time, which has never been done before in the history of ICOM, and the whole theme is based on 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul entrusts the gospel to Timothy to then pass it on to other people, and so we are praying for a kingdom revival all around the world where young people will rise up and be the future generations to take the gospel amongst the unreached.
1: That's huge, and I and I've heard that you have kind of you're bringing that global perspective here to ICOM. Can you kind of expand on that just a little bit more on, uh, just where that passion comes from, and even just like practically, what does that what does that look like in 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 the world of ICOM?
2: Absolutely. So ICOM is a great vehicle for coming along and learning a lot about mission. But I'm going. How can we create the next? layer. The next, after we just go to an icon, we often go back to our own churches. So we're initiating a huge global prayer movement of 27, uh, 24-7 prayer movements through a team in North Africa, where we want to ignite the church in prayer, but also going, how do we create systematic pathways for young people to get into the mission? Sadly, in our churches, we have a lot of Sunday morning-only believers who come to church, and they're comfortable And that's okay. But these young people who are given not a lot of opportunity or given high expectations are eager to do something. And so I'm hoping ICOM will be a vehicle where they can come and be inspired for what they can do around the world. So it's creating systematic pathways or next steps into mission to be very intentional with who they are and where they want to go. I mean, today, you guys all know over 40, of the world's population 3 billion are waiting for anyone to have the Isaiah 6 moment where they say here I am Lord send me yeah. so through MIT in conjunction with ICOM we want to create that avenue and then have systematic steps where people can be enthused and entrusted with the gospel to go amongst the unreached people groups so I train up lawyers and doctors and accountants and civil engineers to go amongst the unreached people groups and that's really where we're entrusting ICOM to these 25 global sites
0: to really you receive young people
2: you and create systematic pathways. What we're God's going to do in them is the <laughs> exciting.
1: Gotcha. So it looked like we had a couple people sneak on there really quick. Um, I saw in your bio that, that you're very passionate about the unreached, unreached people got. group. Is there a certain target or area that you're targeting specifically, or is that just kind of more general?
2: More general. And so really what we're targeting through ICOM is we're going to actually have underground ICOMs happening, underground church ICOMs taking place in places like Saudi Arabia and potentially Iraq and Lebanon and Egypt. So people can understand the gospel and understand the gospel is a global gospel for God's a global God. In fact, missions is his idea since he was the first missionary in the Bible. We forget that sometimes we get caught up in our own little world and our little globe, but helping the church understand that we need to be sending people to the red zone if we get Jesus in the right place and we go, Jesus is worth the risk. If we're willing to step out in faith, he'll take care of everything. And He's worthy of all praise and glory and honor. So that's what we should be preaching from our pulpits. But sadly, what we do is we just focus in on our adults who are happy to come in and check in on Sunday mornings and then check out and then come back Sunday. Whereas we've got this next generation who are wanting to do something on purpose, with a purpose, and so we need to capture them, their hearts, to going, right, where can we go where the gospel hasn't gone before? You know into the region of north africa where there's one missionary to every hundred thousand muslims you know why are not we sending our people to mexico and to haiti when there's this parts of the world that have no one going and so our dream is how do we create awareness that then hopefully will lead to access to the gospel mm-hmm. in the least rich parts of the world
1: gotcha and I saw that Bill made a note, too, about the he just loving the next-gen emphasis, as I am as well. Um, do you see kind of the the next-gen, you said, as you're focusing on that kind of younger target group? Is this a group that you're kind of planning to, you know, think that needs to be deployed? I know you do a lot with discipleship. How do how does the next-gen and your, your passion for that fit into this part of it? Absolutely.
2: So I spend most of my time with young people. Uh, I'm getting older. Um, which is terrible, but I love just hanging out with young people because they have a passion. They haven't been knocked down so many times that they don't want to get up. They uh, have a fire in them to go, how can I do something different? How can I use my life for something that's going to live out beyond myself? And so it's really igniting them, but creating the opportunities. So what it looks like for me practically, I think three days a week, I have a group of young people that I'm pouring my life into and just doing life with them in discipleship and training and mentoring. So if I can be a Paul to someone who's a Timothy, then I'll happily grab them along and go, how can I help you get to where you want to? Because everyone ends up somewhere. The truth is very few people end up somewhere on purpose. And so as young people are looking for purpose, how do we create those systematic steps? And so that's really where MIT was birthed out of, is going, how can I help the next generation understand what discipleship is, become a disciple with and then give them the context where they can live that out. So I've taken young people to places like North Korea, to Somalia, to Djibouti, to the least rich people groups, and giving them a vision of what God can do in them and through them but it all begins. I look back at how Jesus called the disciples. When he's walking along Sea of Galilee, he said, Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishes of men. And I look at that calling in three parts that Jesus said, Come, follow, right? Leave your old life behind. Come after me. The call was so beautiful that they dropped everything. So they followed him. But then Jesus said, And I will make you. And that's really where the discipleship piece comes in, that before we send them out to fish for people to make disciples, we've got to make sure they're a disciple worth multiplying. And so that means coming alongside them, not just converting them and making them a follower of Jesus, but teaching them as Jesus said in the Great Commission, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. So that's really my focus is helping young people decide, yes, Jesus is worth the risk. They're going to follow him. They're going to come after him and then they're going to go out and share them wherever they can
1: That's awesome well andrew you obviously are a wealth of information and i just want to clarify when you say young people what do you is there an age group or is it just anyone that is younger than you currently are like what's what's fits in that status there
2: it's it's whatever age i mean i started this ministry helping young people high schoolers particularly and so right now at our church we have a pipeline of 40 under the age of 40 from our fourth and fifth grade through middle school, high school, college, adults. And then ultimately I'm working with adults as well, Uh, because again, there's this challenge and there's this passion for doing Kingdom work. And so I'm just creating the opportunity for allowing those conversations to take place. So primarily high school, middle school, college age, but then adults are jumping on this and going, how can I and live my life on mission with jesus as well that's awesome
1: As i was looking through just kind of learning more about you before our call you seem to have a big emphasis on discipleship and then missions and as i was looking through all that i'm like how in the world is this guy also uh, on staff as a church and so um i'm curious to know how all that kind of works for you but also just kind of bringing this home for the pastors that are on this call specifically like what are you doing in your church as the global was it the global missions uh, pastor um, I mean, what does that look like? Is it just you know collecting money and sending money away to missions, or is there something more tangibly that you're actually doing in church that you've seen really work and kind of exploding in what you're doing?
2: Yeah, great question. So I'm the Global Missions Pastor. When I arrived at Owensboro Christian, we had sent, I think, two people to the mission field in the last 50-odd years. And so I came and said, we want to develop a relationship with the least rich people groups. So we developed a relationship through team expansion, working with Somalis. So we started praying about Somalia because no, there was no congregated church effort towards Somalia. And that when we found out a lot of the, uh, those people groups also in Europe as well. So that's why we have a focus in both East Africa, but also in Europe as well. And so we had some missionaries that we were supporting and sustaining. But then as we started to look, what do we want our church to become? Really started praying about how can we raise up and send out new disciples? So I started working with five high schoolers, and now that's grown to 40, who are exploring full-time missions. So I developed during COVID because I wasn't able to travel a curriculum that I walk through and disciple people with. Uh, which is available, and and I can get that out to you guys. And it's basically a 10-month course that I walk people through to give them a taste of mission, a taste of discipleship, and a taste of understanding their storyline and God's storyline as one storyline for a kingdom purpose. And so that looks like, on a weekly basis, me sitting with small groups of people and walking them through, discipling them life on life, helping them figure out their calling, their purpose, obstacles that are coming up, I've walked through people deciding which career path to go, what school to go to, and different relational aspects as well. So it's making holistic disciples who are ready to be deployed. As we were developing so much of this in our local church, it made sense for us to develop our own sending agency. So during COVID, because I couldn't travel while I'm writing a 10-month curriculum, I said, why not start a 501c3 sending agency? Okay, so I did. So we are uh, truly an Antioch church where we pray over our people and then we send them out under the church's umbrella, and that's called Emerge Global. So it's completely secular because of where we go into places like Djibouti, Somalia, and various places like that, so that then our disciples come through the pipeline from fourth and fifth grade to middle school to high school to college young adults. And then we send them out as adults under our umbrella of Emerge Global as well. So that's really what we do as a church in Owensboro, Kentucky.
1: That's awesome. So is thats that 10-month is that course? That 10 month, did you call it a program or a course? Yeah, it's um,
2: basically kickstart course into mission. And so we walk through discipleship, Old New Testament, and then a whole bunch of discipleship and missions.
1: And is that what you, I know you offer um, help and support and consultations for other churches. Is that the course that you'd recommend for other pastors?
2: Yes, that's one of them. And then also I'm a church coach through Train International. So for instance, I'm heading, I think in the next two months to two churches, one in New York and one in Wichita, where I'll help them develop a mission strategy and training. And that's just one tool that we can offer them to help mobilize more young people. And older people as well for mission for those over 40. Gotcha. And
1: is it something as simple as, you know, you can be a church
2: of 100 in this
1: works, a church of 1000? Like, is there a range here? You need to have a certain foundation to, to implement this course? Or is it something you can kind of start anywhere you're at?
2: Yeah, I wrote it designed for young people and, and couples as well. If they don't have an Andrew or a missions pastor in their life, they can take the course and walk through it and going, what does that look like for me to kickstart this conversation into mission? Because what I would find is in a lot of settings, a lot of the smaller churches don't have multiple staff. There's no mission pastor. So why are we excluding them from mission? So it's designed that they can do it by themselves intentionally, or they can go and mobilize a group and do it with another community. So the way it plays out, for instance, I'm working with a couple of church plants in Florida. I'll go and preach there, share the vision. Then I've uh, worked with the senior pastor to go, how can I help you take a small group of young people and walk them through this course and this curriculum? And so through that, then in, I think it's summer of next year, they're going to go on their first mission trip as a group as well, which is exciting. And so that's the idea that, We just don't want them to learn a bunch of theory and not put it into practice, but going, how can they take what they've learned and put it into action? And that's what young people are looking for, not just for us to, you know, teach them, but to allow them to experience and gain real life experience. So what I love is taking young people on mission. For instance, he was a junior in high school. He'd never been on an airplane before, and his first place he ever went to was Somalia. And so that's the kind of opportunity we want to create, going, let's get them exposed to unreached people groups and become disciples worth multiplying in these areas where there is no access to Jesus.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, what are some of the best ways for churches to get these resources or pastors on this call? Is is there a website or something we can pass out to people?
2: Yeah, I have just put it in the chat. It's off mitglobal.org. You can buy the curriculum there. We've got 10 books. I'm in the process of finishing up year two. I'm going to be working with Renew.org to get some of that out as well. And one of the books we're actually working on as well, and um, that will be coming out potentially in the fall, is a student ministry edition for Real Life Theology. So that will be geared around discipleship and mobilizing future generations to be kingdom workers. Gotcha.
1: That's amazing. I'm a big story guy. Can you tell me a recent story that's just been impactful or... Um, maybe a life that's been changed or, um, yeah, something they have kind of been seeing recently that's kind of fresh?
2: Absolutely. So we've got a couple in our church, uh, Dylan and Hannah. They have been passionately praying to go to the mission field, and uh, Hannah felt the call more before Dylan. Um, And so they, about six weeks ago, committed full-time to moving down to El Salvador, found out they were pregnant, Trying to journey through that right now and what that looks like. And then they found out 10 days ago that their little son's heart is not developing. So he's got a condition where the right side of his heart will not grow. And so they're walking through this journey and going, What does this mean? Will we get to El Salvador? I'm on the call. They just found out they call me and go, Andrew, we just don't know what we're doing. We found this news, it's been confirmed yesterday up at Cincinnati Children's Hospital, but their number one concern was going, how are we gonna get to El Salvador through all this? And that's just beautiful to see that these folks in the midst of just the worst crisis ever, are going, how can we still bring glory and honor to King Jesus through the midst of this? And so they're praying for a miracle. And I'd ask you guys if you wouldn't mind praying for Dylan and Hannah Ward. Because they're walking this journey, and it's been this journey for about two years, deciding to finally go to the mission field, and then 10 days later, they find out that their son is unable to live in a third-world country, but they still want to be part of the mission. And that's what's beautiful, is just mobilizing everyday folks to do extraordinary things through the amazing power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Well, definitely, uh, before we end our call, we'll definitely lift that up in prayer
1: appreciate you sharing that story it definitely puts things into perspective at least you know for me and for us and just our own lives right now um you know as as i was kind of thinking through um i want to make sure i get to a couple things i've got about two more questions and then i want to open it up to to anybody else to kind of chime in as well but i'm always kind of curious because you're obviously a very high caliber leader um i feel like most people on this call also are very high caliber caliber leaders um, but but who, who are your mentors? Who are the guys that, that you look you look up to or the ones that have invested into you? Because I feel like a lot of us can maybe come to you for resources and obviously thank you for the ones you provided so far. But um, who are the guys that look up to you that kind of inspired you to be where you're at today?
2: Yeah, probably the biggest one would be Jeff Fiennes, uh, who is the lead pastor at One and All Church he's actually the one who heard me speak in his church with World Vision, and he came and approached me and said, you need to be my next youth pastor, and I said, nope, and that was the end of the conversation, and then for about six months, he was pursuing me, and I'm like, who are you? Like, I just turned up to the church to speak, didn't know anything about who Jeff was, and so through that time, uh, he's just been a great brother, great mentor, great friend, and we actually, I was his youth pastor in New Zealand. And then when he transitioned over to the States, Savannah Christian, we followed him over there as well. And so he's just a a great brother and a good friend as well. And then another, just a great kingdom minded brother is Mike Scroggie who runs Good News Productions International. He and our guy, way back, we travel a lot and, and he's using a lot of his expertise for ICOM 24. And so we're working together to going, how can we do something historical To see a Holy Spirit movement and the likes that has never been seen before, where the local church gets to celebrate that and be the forefront in developing kingdom initiatives. So Jeff and Mike would be the two I lean on the most. Great, great. It's good to, it's always good to know who
1: the mentors are of people that I look up to and just respect and honor so thank you for sharing um, but here's my final question then feel free you guys just to jump in uh, either in the chat or just jump in after this but you know I'm kind of curious Andrew because we all we all clear our calendars we cleared our schedule and we're here just to learn uh, from you and so we're, we've you've got our full attention and I'm just curious like what's the gold nugget what's the thing that I haven't asked what's the biggest takeaway the wisdom? What's the thing that brings us to this moment right here um, as we can kind of learn from you and take away um, as we kind of wrap up our call here?
2: Absolutely. And there's a lot of wisdom on this call, so thank you again for the opportunity to be here. My encouragement would be think young. Think of young people around you that you could gather around and you can be a appalled to because we've all been entrusted with the gospel and so often we just go, okay, let's talk to our peers. But there's a beautiful thing that happens when there's cross-pollination, the gospel of my You know, I was discipled by my grandfather for 42 years. He was a dairy farmer in New Zealand. He would get up at 4 a.m. milk 400 cows. Then he would drive for an hour on dirt road, picking up kids, bring them to Sunday school, teach them the Bible, drop them home, come home, milk 400 cows, go to bed. For 42 years, that was his rhythm on a Sunday. There are countless disciples in New Zealand because of my grandfather's legacy. And so I say we only have one life, let's invest it well. And let's not create an inheritance, but a legacy that we can leave for the next generation. And a lot of you have that influence in churches, in your ministries to be able to pave that way for the next generation who are going to finish the mission that has been entrusted to them.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, guys, any, any questions for Andrew, Uh,
0: feel free to unmute yourself or just put a question in the chat. I appreciate you, uh, Andrew, and the great uh, work that you do. And I know we're, uh, we're the main sponsor of ICOM now. And, And so we're just looking forward to partnering with you and, uh, making 2024 a very, very successful ICOM and uh, whatever we can do to help promote you uh, and your vision for that conference, uh, we're, we're 100% behind you. We've got a great uh, marketing team with uh, Adam and Renee and Marea. So whatever we can do to help you, we want to encourage people uh, to get involved with ICOM.
2: Thank you. What's really unique is uh, something we started last year. Tony Twist is president of ICOM this year. Stephanie Freed, 23. Myself, 24. Every month we gather together to pray, which has never happened. And so there's this Holy Spirit movement we're praying for over the next three years. And then once a quarter, we have all of our global sites on the screen. And it's pretty unique to be able to Uh, see these brothers and sisters from all around the world and they are so excited that they get to take the gospel and make it known through ICOM as a vehicle to so many of their churches and their countries so uh, one thing that we're actually going to do at ICOM which will be pretty unique is all of the global sites together will stop at the same time and take the lord's supper together So when we gather, which hopefully all of you on the screen will make your way to Lexington, Kentucky, it'll be pretty unique to have tens of thousands of people stopping and just breaking bread together and taking the juice. So I'm excited to see what God's going to do in it and through it.
0: Awesome. Any other questions, guys out there? Anything in the chat room? um, Adam? Um, yeah. I don't know if we want to pass off Dr. West, but um,
1: Andrew, thanks again. I saw you had a lot of resources. If people were to start like with one of those books or one place, uh, what's, the, what's the book maybe that they should kind of start with to learn more, to dive in, um, just to go deeper?
2: Absolutely. So probably the best book would be Missions Abandoned. Uh, that's the book that I really wrote about. The idea is we've all been given the mission but we've actually abandoned the mission Jesus has given us in our churches and in our individual lives. And so if you read it, you've got to read it with the New Zealand accent because that's how I wrote (laughs) it. And so it was written actually with my uncle. So my grandfather, who I talked about, who uh, 42 years Sunday school teaching, it was his father. And so it was a joy to write with my uncle, someone who I respect and love and treasure in the mission world, to go, how can we help focus on discipleship and creating this movement where we understand that we must be disciples who make disciples.